your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Canadians your first listen of the day every day. Our show is available on all podcasting platforms for free so you can listen anytime. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Folks, welcome to episode 470 of Lockdown Canadians. We've got actually a surprising amount of news for a Monday afternoon, Monday evening. We've got prospect stuff to touch on. Mark Bergevin jetlining his way to LA in the offseason potentially and some roster shakeups. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matland. As always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, since we last talked, a, a, a fair bit has actually happened and we weren't really expecting too much, but the Montreal Canadiens certainly know how to keep us on our toes. Oh, yes. And it's definitely one of those things where like early in the season, especially with the Canadians down, uh, you know, zero and three, you think there's not a whole lot going on other than talking about, you know, why are the Canadians bad? But uh, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. There's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, at least we've got we've got tons of things to talk about before our next game. Yes. And we should start with the biggest one. I, we will get to the roster news in the next segment there. But the biggest thing is Larry Brooks was on TSN 690, I believe, or he had a report. I'm not sure which it is, but he's not the first person to mention this in that Mark Bergevin is attracting serious attention from Los Angeles to go work with Luke Robitaille. And I'm forgetting the other person's name, um, Rob Blake in Los Angeles with the Kings, some of his, I assume, old friends from his playing days. And we don't know if that's as a GM. I highly doubt they're going to move Rob Blake out of that, but he seems destined to head out to LA when this contract is over because both Molson and Bergevin, I think, would have gotten a deal done after the run to the finals if he was truly staying immediately. And it raises a lot of questions about if he wasn't intent on staying past this year and this is his final season no matter what, why is he still the GM of the team currently? And I don't mean that as he's done a bad job. It's just, wouldn't you want to get your next person in here knowing that he's leaving and even keeping him on in the president role like he has right now? It feels like something isn't fitting in this puzzle here. And it feels like there's a misstep somewhere in the management. And I don't want to overreact because for all I know, we could record this and two hours later, Mark Bridgman will have a new four-year contract or something similar because they love to make us look like fools. Laura, I don't I don't want to act like I'm overanalyzing or overthinking this, but it feels a little bit like something's just not all copacetic here in Habsland. So here's the thing is that both you and I had heard this rumor before, but we never mentioned it on the podcast because we didn't have confirmed sources. The fact that Larry Brooks reported it, I feel like to me means that there, where, you know, this is one of those things is where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, and obviously, like, it, it wouldn't have been responsible for us to talk about it uh, on, in a recorded setting because it had just been conjecture and stuff that we'd been hearing from random people who may or may not be in the know. But now that this thing has legs, and it's not the first time that it's been mentioned, I believe it's been mentioned uh, uh, in the media as well, 
this seems like something that is probably it's it, it's not like it's not probable again we're not confirmed but it seems like it's a plausible scenario i think plausible is a much better word for this and like for me the, i think there's two things at play here is that they have said mark bergevin himself said in the press conference announcing that carrie price was going to be away uh he said that there would be no more news on his contract until the end of the season and that to me and coupled with what he said in the last uh in, in the last press conferences that he had after the final after the canadians lost in the final he said i will honor the year that i have remaining in my contract and after that we'll see it's unclear at this point if he's the one who wants to leave or Jeff Molson is the one who wants him to go, if it's just time for both of them to part ways, all of that. But it seems like the writing is on the wall at this point. So why would they keep him? I think they can trust him. They think that they can trust him to not mess up the team much more. <laughs> you know, I mean, he did a pretty good job with that, with that Nick Suzuki contract. Like he's still working for that team. He's still doing the right thing. But also I would imagine paying two general managers, one of whom to sit at home, isn't that great of an idea. I also think that it's possible that they've got someone right now. It's early in the season. There's quite some time left until the end of Mark Borgevin's contract. They might be bringing somebody in in an assistant manager role, or they might have somebody right now that they're grooming that they will want to stick around for now. So it's possible that because they're already paying him, he's under contract. You know, this is an ideal time to have a transition going with somebody who can be there on your day to day and learn about the inner workings of the team, whether or not they would want to do things differently is going to be up to them. So I think that that's my theory as to why it's not just, you know, them saying thanks a lot, goodbye, or moving him to a president role. I also think it's just, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to jettison somebody because if they were going to fire him, they would have done him, they would have done it in the offseason with the with the first round draft pick that they had. I think that would have been the time that if they intended to let him go, that's when they would have done it. Like this 0-3 start isn't really um the time to do it when you compare the two the two scenarios. I think like if they were going to get rid of him, they would have. So at this point I think it's probably they're grooming somebody or they have an idea of somebody who they want to poach and groom. And that's why they're keeping him around. Yeah. It, it, all in all, it's just such a weird situation across the board. Like it, nothing lines up. It's like, you can't, I get the optics of firing a guy right after you went to the Stanley cup final is terrible. You, you can't do that without some kind of backlash about, well, he just got you to the finals and you don't want to hear that. At a certain point in time, though, you eventually have to move on. You, we've seen teams that stick with GMs that aren't working anymore. Like Anaheim fans are sick of their GM, and he's been there forever. Mark Bergman's been here 10 years, and in Montreal hockey, that's like a lifetime. It's shocking to have seen a general manager last that long, especially one who's been on such a roller coaster like him. It, it's. I am hoping that there is a contingency plan in place and that they know what they're doing so they can just go in and keep this team running because they're in a precarious spot. They have their aging stars who are exiting their prime and they have young pieces who are on the way up but aren't fully ready to carry the team yet. And they're teetering on this precipice. And the next GM in might be like, I don't want older. We're going to go start all new. We're going scorched earth. Everyone over the age of 27 is gone. Like... That could be a thing that happens, and we'll just have to wait and see. And the names are going to be out there, Matthew Darsh, Martin Madden. It might be Scott Mellenby, who's part of the team. It might be Trevor Timmons, who's been the assistant GM for a bajillion years at this point. 
We don't know what's ahead for this, and it's going to be interesting to follow this, especially if the Canadians keep faltering. Mark Bergevin is going to be the first one to go. And I think that's a pretty obvious thing to anyone who's paid attention to the team right now is that Mark Bergevin will probably be the first to go if things don't go well this season. But until we do know, it's just going to be this weird guessing game and everything else. And we will obviously keep you in the know here at Locked On Canadians. But coming up next, we do have roster news to talk about. We've got injuries. We've got updates from Team Photo Day. Team Photo Day right now. They will do one later in the year as well. And we have so much more coming up next. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, and the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love and without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We are back. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day every single day. And as always, we are available on all podcasting platforms for free. Laura, we did get some roster news as Team Photo Day was happening. Uh, Jake Evans had a maintenance day and he has an upper body injury. The team says it is not a concussion and it appears to be not serious. And Alex Belzeal went on waivers today. He literally was in the team photo and then they went, okay, and now you're going to Lavelle. Sorry, not sorry. I, I, and we're still waiting on this whole Mike Hoffman situation, which we've seen that he's supposed to be good for Tuesday or Thursday this week, but there's no confirmation of him getting into the lineup. I think he took line rushes with um, Gallagher today, which is a good sign that he should be good to go. I, I am hoping that this is the week we see some lineup changes here. Matthew Perot took fourth line center roles for or draws for a bit and I, I got to ask, when are we getting Adam Brooks in the lineup, please? I mean, why do we claim him if we're not going to play him at all? Yeah, I really want to see what he's got, to be honest. And I think with the Mike Hoffman thing, the latest is, and this is according to Eric Engels, is that he should be ready to go for the Tuesday night game, which is tonight by the time you're listening to this. However, they're going to see how he feels after the morning skate. Uh, and that's when they're going to make that decision. So hopefully he will be ready to go because that should inject some speed and uh, a little bit of offense into the lineup. But I do agree. I want to see what Adam Brooks has, especially since, you know, we know that Matthew Perrault is more comfortable 
on the wing and you have that option in Adam Brooks, why aren't you taking that option? Is there something wrong with him? And they're not saying, however, I, I honestly, like, I don't see a reason, like just, just put him in the lineup and see what happens. Really at this point, you're already down at zero and three to start, you know, what could happen? What's the worst that could happen if you put in a guy who's not terrible? Yeah. And I, I think the biggest thing is that it's not, we're, we're not advocating for changes for the sake of just doing things. It's because like, the team needs something. Things aren't clicking, and it's very, very apparent that things aren't clicking. So this team needs some changes. And I know Cedric Paquette leads the team in Corsi 4 percentage at 5-on-5, five five, but at the same time, the line's not scoring. It's not generating any offense. Give Brooks a shot. I mean, I would have preferred Belzeal play against the Sabres because at least his legs would have been fresh compared to some of the other guys on the fourth line. Matthew Perot's an older player, and at the same time, He's got skill, but you need fresh legs in games. What's the point of carrying players if you're not going to use them? Adam Brooks should get in the lineup here at some point. Even if you're going to play him on the wing, that's fine. If Jake Evans is out, you're going to have to shuffle your lines a little bit. Brooks is going to have to play. It, it A lot of it is just very confusing to me. And they did change up the power plays a little bit. Weidman is on the power play. And Cole, it looks like Cole Caulfield got bumped to power play too, which... Sure, I, I, I'm I not going to get mad about the power play three games into the season. It's infuriating, but I am not going to pop a blood vessel on this podcast getting mad <laughs> at the power play three games into the season. Um, well, okay, here's the thing, though. Like, I would be mad if it's a demotion. I wouldn't be mad if it's some sort of strategy reason that they're putting him there. Like, if they're like, oh, he hasn't scored in three games that's stupid. But if it's like, oh, we thought that it might be better because the other team's first wave of penalty, blah, 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 then I get it. And that's the thing is it's like, if we're demoting everyone based on not scoring for three games, every single player except for Jonathan Drouin and Chris Weidman is going to be on the fourth line starting next game. Like, no one <laughs> is scoring on this team. Change things, but have a reason for doing it. Like, I am curious to see what the potential Evans, Gallagher, or Brooks and Hoffman line looks like, because that's a trigger man there. I do think Tyler Toffoli is very good when he can slow down the pace for his game, which is a hard thing when you have a lineup that features a lot of speedy wingers, and the team's kind of at an early season crossroads. I'm not advocating for them just be like yeah just do it because it you know you have to it's make it make sense that's all i don't think i'm asking for much in that and before people start clamoring for ryan paling to be called up he left saturday's laval game against belleville after taking an elbow straight to the back of the head no penalty was assessed on the play he left the game there hasn't been an update since but the rocket did send cam hillis to the echl which means paling should be good. So they're not carrying an extra center there. Obviously, Belzeal is on his way down. I do think he'll get some games this season, Belzeal, that is. I I just want to know what the plan is now. Seattle has played fairly well. Carolina's coming to town. They're a very deep team. And we already know Kotkaniemi's scoring at least once in this game because, of course, he is. That's how this works. The team's got to be ready. And they can't afford to be kind of half-assing it going into these and going like, well, we're going to try this. It's like, did you try this in practice? If not, don't just do it in game. Have a reason for doing it. And I, I really don't want to be stressing about the team a week into the season, but there's so many flags coming up right now that I don't know if Joel Edmondson coming back is going to fix everything. 
but I think it'll help. And I'm hoping Mike Hoffman injects some offense and it gives them scoring, like shooting threats on each line. So it causes teams to have to think about what they're going to do, not just hone in on one person. Right. And that's going to help with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield a lot. Also probably will set off Tyler to Foley. It's like we talked about the other night. I think this team has a lot of guys who are one greasy, disgusting goal away from kind of just breaking out. Toffoli was one of those guys last year. I think Caulfield's going to be like that. I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Hoffman comes in and immediately scores on the power play. Like small little things. I I am really hoping that Hoffman is good to go because you don't pay four and a half million dollars for a guy to not have him play. Like. I guess we'll get more updates as the week goes on. They're obviously going to skate today. You're hearing this Tuesday before they play. Are they playing? They're playing San Jose, not Seattle. On Tuesday, they're playing San Jose. On Thursday, they're playing Carolina. On Saturday, they're playing Detroit. And then next week, I haven't looked at it because I know it's all 10 p.m. games. So, and that's the thing. So they're playing San Jose. That's a team that can be exploited. And Kyle, we love you, but the San Jose defense and offense is there for the taking. If there was ever a game to turn it around, it should be this. It should have been Buffalo, but here we are. And then if they go out West in which God forbid they're struggling going into the West coast March of death, it's never a good thing. So we will see where this team is at. Uh, I am obviously on vacation for the rest of this week. I will still make my thoughts known through Twitter when I can have a chance to look at things. I promise to not work too hard on my vacation. But coming up, we do have, it's not all doom and gloom in Montreal. It is a prospect roundup time, and there is so much to check in on and so many good stories to talk about, and that's coming up next. So this episode, as I mentioned, is brought to you by Rock Auto, and I have been going through this. I've had car trouble nonstop for the last six months. And it can be intimidating going into those chain stores and paying for whatever they've got available at whatever they're asking for. But with rockauto.com, you can access their huge catalog from your phone at home and never pay like you would at a chain store. You can save time and money and you could save 30, 50, even 100% on parts from Rock Auto versus a chain dealership. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, whether it's your daily driver, your car enthusiast, no matter what. Now go and explore their easy to use website to find the solution to all your auto parts needs. So if you go to rockauto.com right now, you can see whatever parts you're looking for for your car and truck and make sure you write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We are back with our final segment, and it is it is a, we are not ending the show on a sour note with the Bergevin or hey the team is struggling in 0-3. We're going to talk prospects because the CHL is in full swing, the NCAA is in full swing, and the North American prospects. Patrick, I know you were listening to this, and I am not forgetting the European prospects. I am waiting to read the EPR so I can get a more detailed answer on how they're doing over there before I make a fool of myself on this show. But the prospects in North America right now are absolutely thriving, and they are led by Joshua Waugh playing for Sherbrooke in the QMJHL. He is leading the league. He has six goals and nine assists. Nice. 15 points in seven games played. He is leading the league, and right behind him is Riley Kidney playing for Akadi Bathurst, the Teton. He has... 12 points in seven games played. And Xavier Simono, who is playing for Charlottetown, has two goals, six assists in five games. And I got to say, it's good. If there was ever a time 
for all the prospects in the queue to be thriving because we hear this laura how often have we talked about this on the show is that why don't they draft more players from the queue it's because some of them aren't good enough the ones they have picked so far are absolutely living their best life and that's got to be a huge relief for trevor timmons who is probably sick and tired of hearing the complaint about that over and over and over again yeah and it's a relief for us too i think it's not just you know, it, it's not just the fact that we need the Canadians to be to have good prospect depth. I think it's also just you know people here want to cheer for hometown. You heard in the in the home opener just how loud the cheers were for the for the hometown players, even though they're not expected to be the players relied upon this season, right? Like they're they're depth players, they're third, fourth liners, but they still got a massive cheer from the hometown crowd, even a goaltender like, you know, uh, Samuel Montembeau, who might end up on waivers and might end up getting claimed by somebody else. He also got a massive uh, welcome. And that's something that this market has been really hungry for. And so I think that's, that's a relief for everybody. I think it's, it's good news. And I think it's, it's also great because they can keep an eye on the people here closer you know obviously they're they've got scouts all over the world but here they've got they, they have the ability to they, they themselves just take a short drive you know take a take a take a five-hour drive even and and find all of these people in the queue uh and and walk them in person whereas you don't have to rely on scouting reports you can really make decisions and you can really be present for those players you can keep an eye on their development what they're doing be available to them i think it's just it's there's so many benefits to this and you know, I'm I'm not complaining at all. And and here's the thing is, I don't expect guys like Wah, maybe Kidney, who was very good last year, and maybe Simino, who is an overager, but I don't need them to lead the their league in scoring or whatnot to show me that they're making development strides. Watching Wah play, and I've seen a lot from the scouting people that I follow have mentioned that his game looks much sharper this year, much more mature. He's making smarter plays. And that's what you want to hear. And it's not just him. Jan Meshack has been playing extremely well for Hamilton so far. He's got five points in four games, a couple of goals, a couple of assists. And he's just playing smartly with his uh, line mates. And Avery Hayes is someone who he's playing with who is invited to the uh, Canadians rookie camp. So it's someone they're clearly keeping an eye on for whether it be drafting or overage uh, signings for their, CA- for their uh, AHL club there. That's what you want to see right now. And then Arbor Jack I had has three assists in three games. He's a defensive defenseman, but we're seeing the growth across the prospect pool in the way that they're wanting. Caden Gooley just got back after he was released by the Canadians, and he's got a couple of points in a couple of games. And even in the NCAA, guys who had disappointing years last year with the stop start, Blake Biondi's almost matched his point total from last year. He's got three points in four games. Brett Stapley has five points in four games they're seeing progress and this is a team that like i mentioned in the last segment is kind of sitting on that precipice between going full rebuild with their prospect pool and just trying to win with what they have with their aging core and seeing the steps that these guys are making i think that a lot of fans are going to be really excited and we will obviously have a number of people who follow prospects closer on this year as we get into deeper into the season as we get closer to world juniors time and everything else. I am, I'm really glad that it's not just one or two prospect, one or two prospects are thriving. It's across the board. Each night I see, Oh, they had points. They did this. They did this. It's 
across the board. It's a spectrum of prospects. It's not just Caden Gooley and Jan Meshack every night. It's not like last year. The biggest thing was, hey, Cole Caulfield scored. Okay, nothing new. And that was it. Now it's not just relying on one prospect to make it. It looks like there's a lot of really good talent in here, especially in their own backyard. And now they're getting a chance with the full season and swing to find some of these overage prospects going back for another year, or maybe some people who slip through the cracks in the draft that they're going to go, I want that guy now. It's like you said, Laura, there's so much in their backyard that they can go and see now that it does give some hope. I know the Canadians at the NHL level are a little bit of a mess as it stands right now with their start, but the organization as a whole seems to have a good backbone of prospects just in case things do fully fall off a cliff this year. And we're hoping they don't, but there is a a decent future ahead for this team still. I agree. There's a future ahead. And not only that, the one thing that I thought of it's, it's not just close enough for them to go and and look at these prospects it's also close for us to go and buy tickets to these games and and watch these the the future canadians and build a rapport and and these these players will have the opportunity to fill to build a fan base before they even make the team right you're talking they're going to be in the queue then they're going to go to laval which is you know just across the river uh and uh and then they're going to make it to the nhl hopefully and if they stay within the same organization we'll get to know these players a lot earlier than we normally would have. And that's the thing is uh, with the border opening up, I am hopeful to go and check out some OHL games. Uh, I know that there is certain uh, requirements for crossing the border, but it, it is so much nicer now that is able, that we're able to actually see players and everything else. I, I've missed a lot of covering live hockey games. Like I said, I went to the Sabres game last week as a fan I haven't covered a live hockey game in two years, and I cannot wait to get back for that, to bring you all that kind of information and insight from seeing it with my own two eyes and whatnot afterwards. As always, thank you for listening to Locked On Canadians today, folks. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Laura at The Active Stick and myself at Scott Matla. And thank you for making us your first listen every day. Later this week, Laura's got special guests for the Sharks game and everything else coming up this week while I take my lazy bones on vacation for the time being. Now, be sure to make sure your second listen of the day is Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey experience to help you rule your fantasy hockey league. Just like our show, it's free and available on all platforms.